Hello, my name is Giancarlo and welcome to the Creative Gap Podcast. This show is meant to guide creatives, filmmakers, entrepreneurs, designers, artists. We are going to be talking about all things related to craft, passion, ownership, self-employment, physical, mental health, and a bunch of other things too. So hopefully you enjoy Welcome back to the Creative Gap Podcast. Today, I have an amazing guest, artist, Drex Carter. He is a phenomenal, talented musician, rapper, artist. This guy just has a knack for art. And um, I'm really excited to talk to him today. So thank you for being on the show today, Drex. Appreciate you having me, bro. All right. So to start off, for people that aren't too familiar with who you are, can you provide a little background about who you are, where you came from, and kind of what led you to do what you're doing for sure yeah uh, my name is drex uh, drex carter <laughs> I, i've i've been making music for close to like 10 years now i started probably when i was like 14 like really recording um i didn't really I have a weird background uh like i didn't really listen to music growing up so like like it was around obviously and like on the radio and shit but i was never like listening um so it was it was really weird like when i found it uh like i i, I always had this feeling of like I wanted to like perform, but like, I didn't, I never thought it was like music. You know what I mean? Like I, I liked the feeling of like inspiring or like being on a stage and like that, that rush, but I didn't really put it together to music until I was doing like, I was doing like some writing in school, I think. And I just realized I was good at it. And like, I was like, Oh, I'm allowed to do this. You know, like I always thought like there were certain things like that you could or couldn't do because it was just like outlandish, you know? And so uh, then, then once I realized like I found hip hop, I found rap and then I really like went hard at that. Um, and I thought uh, me and my friend, we rapped together forever, like in middle school. And we thought we were going to be like huge in middle school. We were listening to like Mac Miller who had just like popped off in high school. And like a lot of these guys who were just like blowing up in high school. And I thought for sure, I was like, I'm going to be famous as fuck in high school. <laughs> and uh, then, yeah, man, thank God I didn't <laughs> the journey. The journey had other ideas. So anyway, we went to record for the first time and I recorded like I recorded at the studio called I'm going to mess this up. Don't remember the name. But anyway, we went to the studio, went to record and I was like, I'm, I'm the greatest. I had this energy and I went to record and I was like, whoa, I'm awful. And like I realized that day, like how different the recording process was with like just writing and rapping, you know. And so that led me down a whole rabbit hole of like, oh shit, like I need to be good at making music. And then the guy gave me, the guy at that studio gave me the, some of the best advice I ever got, which was like, yo, like I can tell you're passionate, but like, obviously you got some work to do, like go home, find a way to get yourself some studio equipment and just record yourself. Um, and so mm-hmm. that's what I did for like ever. <laughs> um, and I mainly, since then I mainly was recording in studio still. Um, but the the having your own equipment like practice at home that's been it took me like actually seven years to really do it it took me like seven years to commit because i was always recording in studios still um but yeah that that's the best piece of advice i ever got was that so anyway uh, then i was doing that while i was doing that i started making clothes with my friend jose we were talking about before uh we had like a creative house me him my homie diab and my homie michael who goes by loser where there's just four of us in this, like, we should not have had a house. <laughs> um, we were like 18. I uh, had like a seven and a half month lease, like the craziest deal ever. Like we thought we were going to get this lease. And then like seven months later, just like moved to LA. Like we had it all timed out perfectly. And, we, 
anyway, we did not do that. <laughs> um, but Joseph was always like writing on his walls and like just being like mad creative. And I was like, bro, you got to do something with this. And there was like this phone he, he would always draw and he would just always write last call. Um, and I was like, this is it. Like, this is the thing. So then he ran with that. He was like painting on clothes. We'd go to like Home Depot, get this stuff, uh, get, get this like certain paint that was like really cheap. And uh, we would just like paint on clothes. And no, I, this jacket is literally like probably the first style we ever had. So it was like just house paint on clothes. Yeah. Um, on, and then like on heavier garments is like, I feel like where he's trending now, especially like denims and whatnot. But that turned into all types of stuff like patchwork and like sewing. And Joseph's like incredible, phenomenal now at sewing and like making garments mm-hmm. out of like nothing. Like he'll You make guys them. did that together for a little bit, right? Yeah. So we, yeah, my bad. Keep me on track. <laughs> he, uh, uh, we, we did that. We did that together um, for like probably damn like two, probably like a year solid, like two years from that date, but like a year really solid when it started to like actually take off, um, take off wrong word, like make any money from it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we would, we would do like these local pop-ups. I had like a lot of good relationships with like opening for shows uh, with like the venue owners. So like, there's this guy, Jared at back booth. And he was just like, yo, whenever you want to come in and sell clothes, let me know. So I was getting us in all these spots to sell clothes. And then we were just two men pull up, set everything up for the night. And we were doing everything from hip hop nights to emo nights, to electronic, to, it was just all over the board, the hardcore shows, like all types of different heavy metal, like all types of shows. But it was cool. Cause like we saw it translating across all genres of people, you know? So it was really cool, like, to see it work so quick. We, like, right away, we really knew, like, oh, we have something here. And I think that taught me early on, like, oh, wow, you can just be your truest form of, like, yourself and your self-expression and creativity, and it really leads to, like, the best results, you know? And so I think that was, like, an early lesson. Um, And then from there, yeah, music started taking off a little more, so I kind of let Jost run with it a little more. And there was, like, a year period, I turned 21, um, where my, for some reason, like my life just changed. Like, I, I guess I had like figured it out. I was at the studio and like some kid wanted a feature from me and I like, didn't really want to do it. It was one of those, and but it was like, he was offering to pay me and like asking how much. So I was like, all right, I'm going to think of a number that like, I'd be really, really happy with. And then I'm going to double it. And yeah. if he goes for it, I'll just do it. <laughs> and I was like, all right, I'd be really happy with a thousand dollars. So I said 2000 and he said, yeah. And I was like, what? And, uh, so yeah, man, I took that. And then I remember that day so vividly, bro. Like I got paid for that. I went and got a tattoo that day with Iggy and I went to, and booked a flight to New York. And then like that trip changed my life. And I literally decided that day I'm like, I'm never working again. And I haven't worked a job since that. So, so that's kind of like, I'm missing a lot of stuff. Like, uh, no, that's okay. That's a good good start. Yeah. It's a good, good base point. Me and Iggy, like being, I'm going to, I'm probably going to get into that. I'm yeah, probably yeah, going to get go. into a little bit more of your background a little bit, but I think to kind of steer the way a little bit more, I think something that um, I guess a lot of us creatives maybe struggle with is the support of our parents. I'm curious about what your, what your family situation was like when you wanted to pursue music. Yeah. Uh, my family's fucking awesome, bro. My, can I cuss on here? Uh, yeah, I don't care. All right, cool. My family's fucking awesome. Uh, <laughs> I, I didn't really always see it. And uh, I think we definitely, we had our clash for sure. Like, uh, it's it's hard when like your 12 year old son has his mind made up that he's going to be a rapper like I get it like you know but I, I, I just found what I loved early on like mm-hmm. I, that's why I say the greatest gift in life is a passion and like I just found mine early and I found several which is even like even more unique I feel like and special and so 
because of that, like I had to learn kind of the hard way that you have to prove it to people and there's nothing wrong with that. And I think it makes you stronger and like you get better results because of it. Um, so mm. with my parents, they weren't really, they were supportive, but they, you know, they just wanted me to be taking, like they wanted to make sure like I wasn't going to wind up where they didn't want me to wind up, you know? So Absolutely. it was, it was an interesting thing. Like they, they always wanted me to go to school and I, I knew in high school, like I was done with school when I was like sophomore or freshman. Like I knew I was, I knew what I wanted to do in life. And I was like, this is all a waste of time. So it was really weird. Cause like for two or three years, like everyone in my life was like, obviously like thinking I'm being hard headed and lazy and like, didn't know what, but in reality, I just wanted to make music, you know? And it was like a weird, like finding myself moment. Cause they all like, you need to go to high school. And I'm like, there's no reason for me to even, or like you need to go to college. And I was like, there's no reason for me even to be in high school. You know, like this is, mm. I'm wasting valuable time that like I have to create and like make all the shit that I want to make come to life. So anyway, that was really hard, but probably the hardest with my parents. So they wanted me to go to school. So I did just because I didn't really want that like clash, you know, um, last mm. minute. Dude, I should not have graduated. I had like the most absences <laughs> I, you could have at that high school without, like, without getting kicked out. Um, and there were some good people there that like realized like I had my head on straight, but like clearly didn't fuck with school. So they kind of mm -hmm. helped me out. Graduated. I uh, went to this school called Florida Gulf Coast uh, in Fort Myers. And then I started going and then like every every so often I'd like miss some days or I'd be I would just every weekend I would come back. So I set it up so my classes were Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday. So I had a lot of classes all in three days so that I could come back Friday through Monday to work on music here. And I was mm -hmm. recording at a studio called Studio 18 at the time. Um, and that's where I met Iggy, my one of my main engineers and friends. And uh, yeah, from there, it was just like slowly but surely I would miss more and more school and like not come back. And then eventually I was just failing everything. <laughs> and uh, I remember there was like a break and my dad was like, I was, I was back for winter break after that first like semester or whatever it is. And it, it was a couple months of school and uh, I came back and he's like, what are you doing next semester? And I'm like, oh, I'm going to school. And he was just like, no, you're not. And I was like, mm. what do you mean? And he like slid me my progress report. No idea how he found it, but it was like all failing and shit. Wow. And I, I was just like, yo, man, school is not for me. Like, I'm sorry, but like, this isn't it. And uh, he was like, well, what are you going to do? And I was like, I'm going to make music. I told you that forever. And uh, he was like, well, good luck. And then I was like, right on. We went and grabbed dinner. And then like, we kind of just like, that was the moment. Like my parents were always like, made me earn my own, but like they took care of me. Like they made sure I had a roof over my head and like food, you know, like, so I was already, always mm -hmm. working hard, but I was never like, I never had that like fire of like, you have to keep yourself alive. So I had already kind of felt mm -hmm. that with like not having money like that, not working, doing school and trying to make music. Like I already had no money. So like I'd run out of gas and be like on the side of the road with no money. And I was like, I'm a hustler, so I'll figure it out. But like, that was the moment that like everything got like set on fire. So then that's around the time I went and got the house, me and Joe's, all the homies, we got the crib. And then that's when I really was like, I got to figure this out. Mm. Mm. Great story. Um, thanks for sharing all that. So oh, yeah. I think something I, I'm curious about too, I think I looked at your Spotify recently, you have over 700,000, 720 something thousand monthly listeners. I think that's what it says on there. And that probably wasn't always the case. You had to that's start crazy. with one, <laughs> monthly, one monthly listener too. Can you yeah. talk about the journey, I guess, like in the mentality of what it takes to be an artist and go through the, the early stages, because it takes a while, I'm assuming to get to 700,000. Yeah. Like I said, I've been doing it for like, it's crazy, like 10 years now. And, uh, mm -hmm. 
you're always figuring it out. You know, like right now it's Spotify, right? Like right now that's where you go to like find some like validity as an artist or like you as an interviewer go look up like, oh, how are they doing? Or like mm-hmm. it, it wasn't, it's never, it wasn't always like that and it's not going to be like that forever, you know? So it's more of like, you just have to f- be f- constantly figuring it out and like leaning into your self-discovery as an artist and finding your people. Um, and I think once it clicked that the only thing that mattered was my art and the people who support it, I was able to like lean into all these things easier of like, whether it's Instagram or Spotify or my YouTube or TikTok, whatever the new thing's going to be, whatever it is, I just, once it clicked that I just really got to keep a focus on the art and then the people who are genuinely supporting it, everything kind of made a lot more sense. So that's the easy answer I give everybody of like, that's the tipping point and that's what you should focus on. But it's kind of like bullshit when you're coming up and you hear that. Like, I remember I heard that and I was like, dude, fuck you. Like, how do I get on these playlists? Or like, like mm. how do I, how do I get the cheat codes? You know? And you do, you like, you need to figure it out. Like for me, I, my part of my come up was like Spotify playlists. Like I got lucky. So one of my friends, shout out via CJ. He just put me on early and was like, yo, if you get your songs on these playlists, right, you'll get heard. And so that was before even people weren't even fully on Spotify. You know, like if you said Spotify playlist to somebody, they'd be like, I don't know what that is. You know, I don't know what that means. Where now it's everything. So that's why I go like you kind of have to have some ingenuity and just always be figuring it out. But even with that, like when I was getting on those playlists, I wasn't really building a fan base. Like the numbers started going up at first and I was getting some, but like proportionately like say I'd have a song that finally got like a hundred thousand streams. Right. And I'm skipping a lot of steps. Like there was a lot Mm -hmm. of, there's so much, there's so much like hurdles in between, but it's like that first moment of like, Oh, it's working. Even that moment's not real. Cause it's like, there's just now numbers, right? What do those numbers represent? And that's everything. Like for me, it's like, yeah, I had a hundred thousand streams, but I maybe had a hundred kids who were like, I, I fuck with Drex and his music. You know what I mean? And so that's where I really learned, like hone it in and like, that second part it's like the art that that was easy for me like that was it's not easy it took a lot of time or it it took a lot of time but it felt easy because it was play you know it was like fun so it's like my self-discovery mm. as an artist was just constantly relearning and learning like what do i like and and lean into it from there that second piece of like finding the people who genuinely support it that was that first moment of like let me do something about it so rather than go ahead and get on like rather than go ahead and get on a playlist with like a hundred thousand followers. Right. But they're mm-hmm. fans of hip hop. Let me get on a playlist with like 10,000 followers, but they're fans of like what I make specifically like chill rap or something. You know what I mean? Uh, that's so interesting. it was that's like, interesting. I would really, I would really like lean into like what I, where I knew my people might be rather than being like, let me get on this pop playlist. Like if you gave me the option of a pop playlist with a million followers or one with a thousand and you know, but like I knew all a thousand were going to love the song I'm putting on there. I would do that, you know? So then once mm. I, I just leaned into that more and then, you know, kind of snowballed from there. But I mean, that's not the only thing you got to always be doing. Dude, I've done hundreds of shows coming up. Like maybe that's an exaggeration, but like that, I played dozens of like local shows until I had to, until I realized I have to build my own fan base and bring that to the table. Right. Mm. So it's like, there's certain things I honestly, I would say do your research and like learn from people who have kind of done what you want to do and just like kind of reverse engineer. And I think that's where it clicked for me. Like there was guys I was following girls I was following where they had done the thing. Right. And it's like, then when I realized like, oh, they didn't, they didn't come up playing local shows because that's not how you do it anymore. They built a fan base online and then brought that into the real world. Right. 
shit like that like and it's like i said it's constantly evolving it's probably going to start evolving even faster now so mm. but i'm i'm still trying to figure it out you know like it it's crazy to hear like it's crazy to hear those numbers but like for me i still haven't even done like the first thing i still haven't even taken that first like real step which to me is going to be touring um because i went on tour I went on tour with my band like a year ago and that just showed me that just showed me oh this is that that uh what's the word that thing i'm talking about where it's like find make make your art and then find the people who support it it's like mm -hmm. that in person so I, all those messages i ever got i remember there was one show in particular where this kid was like yo it was wild because it was a, it was a tour for my band but this one kid came up and was like yo man love the group love everything y'all do i love you and like bro this one song you made in your catalog like he was like that song saved my life and i was like oh wow. like you didn't even come to see like that you came to see me and you meant that thing you said and then like it was this instant like flood that like oh all those other messages i've ever gotten from around the world online were like mm -hmm. real because they don't feel real because it's like yeah i get it right and I, I appreciate the fuck out of it but it's like you, it's a it's a realization and a feeling and that feeling is way mm -hmm. different so that feeling kind of taught me like, oh, I need to go on tour and I need to do this in front of people. Because it also taught me it's something I'm really good at. And it's like where I think my passion lies. I think I started making music back to what we started talking about. I think I started yeah, yeah. doing it so that I could perform it. Um, mm, that's so awesome. that's kind of where I'm at now. Yeah. So going back a little bit too, I know we kind of briefly talked about like that tipping point of when you like kind of committed to music where... I know for me, there's a huge role in having a good support system and having people around yeah. you that push you. Did you have a support system early on, friends around you that saw the vision that you were trying to create that helped push you and uh, help you become kind of the artist that you are? Hmm. Yes, like yes and no. So the, the yes is like there were people I found along the way that I realized had a similar piece of what I was trying to do. But I think, I, I don't, I don't think I, I think that's what I'm even still searching for is just surrounding myself with more of those people. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't know if it's cause like I have like unrealistic ambitions or if it's because like, I, like I said, like I have a lot of those passions. So it's like, for me, if I was friends with a musician, it's like, I also wanted to be making clothes and making movies and learning about, you know, film and like, like all types of different things. Right. So there was like a lot of avenues that piqued my interest that didn't necessarily genuinely pique everyone else's interest. Like maybe they liked movies, but maybe they didn't want to direct one one day, or maybe they mm -hmm. liked fashion, but they didn't like making clothes. So there was like all these like nuances to like the relationships I would have that were, that they saw a piece of that vision, but it was really hard for like somebody to ever see the full scope of it. Um, but like, there's people who get it. Like my homie Joe is probably the closest example I have of like the first person to ever get like like he wants to do clothes as of right now but i know he's got a lot of ideas too right so he's got his own world that he's trying to create and tell so i think there's a lot of people like that and then from there along the way you meet people you know so i mm -hmm. definitely have a great support system in that regard and like great creatives around me but i think i'm constantly learning how to like take what i really want to do and then like be able to communicate it in other people's realms you know mm, i see that um I kind of want to now jump a little bit to album making because you just dropped a new album, Hath No Fury, correct? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, tell me about the process of making an album because I can imagine that being maybe daunting a little bit as well as like 
overwhelming, maybe. Can you describe a little bit of the initial process of wanting to create an album? Uh, yeah, this was honestly like my first one. Uh, so, and it happened on accident. Like I didn't set out to say, I'm going to make this album. Um, it kind of just happened after like a very like painful moment, probably like the most painful thing I've ever gone through, like at the beginning of this year. Um, and then that sparked like me kind of disconnecting from everything and like really just like feeling down. And then that turned into like me creating and realizing like that feeling I had when I was a kid of like, oh, this is why I do it. It kind of reignited it because it's the same feeling I had when I was a kid when everybody was like, nah, you shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that. You should do this. It was like that same, bro, like my why, That's it's what sparked my why. My why is don't let anybody tell you what you can or can't do. And then like, I'm trying to have that impact at scale. It's why it's, it's the reasoning behind all of my passions and where I aim them, you know? So it's like in the clothes, in the films, in the music, you'll hear, you'll feel that why, you know, you'll feel like you'll be yourself, stand up for yourself and do what you want to do because you believe it's right. You know? And like, don't, don't just be fucking out here like, ah, like I'm not going to listen to nobody. Right. I had to learn. That's how I was. Right. And that's where it stemmed from. It was very like, I want to do what I want to do. And then that turned into growth and like all these lessons along the way. But it's like a very concise way to communicate kind of my goal of like the impact I'm trying to have. So anyway, I think that that was kind of communicated um, in like, I think I was communicating that even when I didn't know I was communicating that um, back like when I was a kid and like just starting to make music. And so I had that same exact feeling and I recognized it again of like, oh, this is why I do it. So I made like a hundred songs on accident. Like I was just like going on YouTube again, finding tight beats like I used to and like Mm -hmm. just be like finding beats people sent me, recording on anything I could get my hands on that actually piqued my interest. Like writing freestyles again, literally every day creating as much as I could. I started painting. I started just, I started creating every I throw and paint every like just doing everything I could do creatively to see like okay what do I want to do again and then that gave me that feeling back and then like I think that snowballed into the album so like I made all those songs and then I looked at them and I'm like what are my favorites you know and what and what what is like the common theme between them and there's a sound I think I fell out of love with for a while that is my sound and I would always tell people like yo I'm trying to find my sound I'm trying to find my sound and I think this year I finally like found it I think this year I kind of recognized like who I am at least in this beginning stage of an artist and like realizing like what what I really value in the audio side a lot like storytelling um like lyricism you know but and then even more in like the beats like I I learned like I love these beautiful samples that like talk to this piece of your soul you don't really have access to because it's like it's like the tipping point of pain and pleasure it's like this feeling Mm. you really can't get out of like a lot of things it's like a good bite of food or like a a roller coaster you know it's like this it's adrenaline but at the same time this calmness anyway so I, I realized it was a lot of uh a lot of these similar samples that like I used to use fell out of love with because I thought a lot of people were trying to take advantage of this, the situation, like the fact that they'd get played. So like you could have a sample like that and it would just get played because like a lot of people like the samples, you know? And for me, it was like, I, I didn't want to feel like I was doing that. And I also didn't feel like I was growing as an artist if I stuck with that because I saw all these other people doing it where I'm like, word, like I was doing that when nobody was doing it. So now let me keep doing that and keep pushing the envelope. And that allowed me to grow into all these different areas I never would have explored otherwise. But 
I think I finally found like my grounding again in my sound of like, oh shit, like this is what I love, like sonically. So that's kind of where the the theme of the album sonically came from. And then from there, it was just finishing records. That's kind of my style creatively currently. Like I'll just in my room make a bunch of songs with like scraps, whether I produce it or like beats online and then change the drums and then add things I like or try like vocal melodies and then go re-record them. Like just whatever I want to do creatively, I'll throw, it's like throwing paint at the wall. Like I'll make a bunch of stuff. And then when I know mm. one I want to finish, like it's like, oh, it's done, but it's just got to get finished. I'll take that. And then me and Iggy will go to the studio, work on some mixes, add some bass if we want it, maybe change mm. the progression, rearrange it, stuff like that. And then of those, even I cut songs out. Like I almost cut a lot. I cut a lot of songs. The, the album's only 10 songs i wanted it to be 11 at first then 14 and then it went and ended up being 10 because i cut a lot of songs but for music i'm curious especially when you're making an album it seems like a, a lot of the process that you do is solely with you um is there an element of collaboration when you're making an album and because i know what i do it's all about collaboration and how important yeah. that is like hearing other people's ideas and their visions and other things. How important is collaboration when you're making an album to you? I mean, it's essential unless you know how to do every piece, right? So for me, I've learned what I like and I don't like about the process. And I've tried to lean in that, lean into that and build my team around that feeling, you know? So I like to produce, but I like to produce in my way. Like I don't, I don't physically always want to be on the keyboard and like, I don't physically always want to be learning. Like, what does this plugin do? What is this? You know, I like it sometimes and it's a place I can escape and go. And I love it for that. But it's, it's this thing where it's like, oh, yo, I want this to feel bigger. You know what I mean? And I want to be able to just say that and like communicate that with somebody who understands what I mean by that. Because that can mean a million things. But if I've communicated before in the past, you know what I mean? So me and Iggy kind of have that relationship mm -hmm. where I can... I can kind of like tell like explain something to him and he'll know what I mean. And like from there, like I get to produce in my own way, you know, but I mean, without him, without all these other people, Kenny, without, um, cup who used to master my stuff without, there's all these people who like along the way either taught me a lot. And that's for me, collaboration is the biggest growing point. Like you cannot grow without collaboration. And like for me, dude, oh, great story. Like one of the first songs. So <laughs> All right. Around that time period, I was living with Joe's. Uh, well, actually, after that house. So after that house, I was like, there was, I wasn't really living anywhere. Like I was just kind of bouncing around. Like, like I was, I didn't have a house. Uh, like I didn't have a home, but like I was so locked in and driven on what I was doing. Like it didn't, it was irrelevant. Like yeah. what it got to the point where I had blinders on, where everything I did, nothing mattered other than that. So it didn't even feel like it. So like there was this period of time where I was living at Joseph's house. Um, and that, that'll get a documentary of its own one day. Cause it's like, that was the creative, that's the creative hub of last call. Like that's where he makes all his clothes and like, dude, there's shit hanging on the ceiling and like posters every it's, it's nuts. Like you walk in there, it's just like very original creative feeling. So I was literally sleeping on the floor there with Joe's and, uh, then why did I start the story? Oh, now I forgot. Hold up. <laughs> what was the question again? Uh, we were talking about collaboration and then you mentioned, yes. All right. So there was this one night, I, there was this one night where I, I think I was staying there and like, I think like 
I, I don't. I, I might be messing the story up. I was either staying there or staying somewhere else, and I wasn't able to stay there anymore. And so I was like, all right, word. Like I'm gonna stay in my car this night. And then I went. I went and I went. I would always go to this like Panera and Starbucks, and I would just be. I would just be working on stuff there all the time, like music or like sending emails out, like trying to get people to hear it or whatever. I was just always there. So I went there, and then I remember going and wa- I was gonna walk to the other one. I would always do that, and I. I got this call from Iggy and he was in LA with Kenny and he was like, yo man, like I got some bad news. Like all my backpack, just the car I have in LA just got broken into and my backpack got stolen. Uh, and my laptop and hard drive with all your songs on it got stolen. And I lost like everything I was working on. And I was like, it was just like this, oh, this can't get any worse moment. And I was like, damn. And I got back in my car and then my car wouldn't start. Oh, and man. so I just remember, I just remember like literally out of a movie, like head on the steering wheel, just like, what am I going to do tonight? Like, what the fuck am I doing? Like now I have no songs. My car won't start. I don't have a place to live. And I have, I have, I have no idea what I'm going to do. And then I called my homie, Paul, or he called me one of the, and we were just like supposed to make music that night. So I went to his house, um, and my other homie, Caitlin Ellis, was there, who's a really great producer um, and engineer. And so I went to their house, and we were just making songs. Like, Paul's a recording artist as well, and we were just just having a good time playing chess, making songs, whatever. The same, dude, it was weird, because, like, even now I'm saying it out loud, it sounds crazy, but, like, even in that moment, like, it didn't feel like, oh, the like, it felt like all the world's crashing down, but it also just had this feeling of, like, this is just what it is. Like, this is just kind of a part of the story. This is what it takes. And I, I think having that foresight is the only thing that got me through. Like, understanding the moment that I'm in now was what I was creating, and, like, that kind of keeps you going. Um, but anyway, Kaylin, I remember we he had a beat he played. I ended up writing to it, and uh, I was like... I was like, dude, this is fire. I spit it. And he goes, yo, do you want to record it? And I was like, yeah, but like, I got to go to the studio, blah, blah, blah. Like, I always thought I had to be in my like home based studio to record. Not, not at home, but like the studio I was recording with at, or recording at at the time. So the first one was 212 and then it was Studio 18 and then it was East Room. And I was like, I, th- I felt like I had to be there to record. And he was like, no, we can just do it at the crib. And he like pulled the mic out and set it up in the middle of the room and set everything up in like three seconds and was like, all right, you good? Like gave me headphones. And I was like, all right. And there's actually a video of it. Shout out, Paul. He literally recorded the process of it. Um, and that song, I recorded it and that song ended up being, it's called OS47S. It's called for on some 47 shit and it's literally one of my bigger songs now and it's like probably my favorite song that i always come i always have rotating favorites but it's one i keep coming back to because it's like i can feel that moment in that song um but anyway the whole point of all that is like if if not for that forced collaboration right i don't have that moment of understanding oh i can just record wherever i want Right. And then that taught me even further, like, oh, I can go to the mountains and record. I can put my I can just get houses. I can get Airbnbs and like bring my recording equipment and like make whatever I want, wherever I want. And that was the most freeing thing ever. That's something you've done. Right. Especially with Kenny, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So these places. Yeah. We uh, we we have this series called Thaw and we kind of it's kind of just like this loose like there's the idea is there's no rules so it started uh oh no i was gonna say it's this mic it started with this other mic i had this was one of the first mics i recorded on a 214 and we just had it in a scarlet interface and like it was like 
the only thing we had at our old house. We were roommates. And so at our old house or a couple houses ago, <laughs> he, uh, it was like the only studio setup we had. So we were just like one day messing around with like the auto tune or something. And it sounded cool. And I just kept pushing like, yo, let's make some shit. And then he never really used his voice like that. And it was just this cool, like, Oh shit. Like we can do whatever we want. Right. Cause it was like at home and like, no one's going to hear this shit. And then that turned into, there was this hurricane. So we went to my grandma's house and then at my grandma's house, like we recorded like th the original thaw. And then that turned into, yo, let's go get an Airbnb for the next one. Cause the idea, like we did that. And then we took a trip to Colorado and it just felt like, it felt like the mountains. It felt like mountain music. And so that's kind of like what we call it is like mountain music, but like it, it's, it's, there's no rules to it. Like I couldn't give you like the sound you just got to listen it's not it's unique to anything i've ever really heard and it's unique it's also unique to both our styles like you don't really hear either of our styles in it entirely which is really cool but yeah we that even i think that was more inspired too by one of my favorite artists coming up was this guy john bellion and he had this video where there's it's a video of him making three songs and he got this airbnb in los angeles and same deal he just set everything up made these songs and they're fucking hits so like i think all time low was one of them which is like his biggest song ever the song woodstock which is like my favorite song of his and i think i can't remember the third but he made these he made these three songs in this airbnb um and it just had this feeling to it of like, that's that freedom I'm searching for. Um, where even like the last day of that video, like it's a little mini doc and he kind of goes like, we could have made music this third day, but we chose to play basketball. And he's like, it's lit. I can just do that. And he's like, I like that. <laughs> I like mm. not being, I like being able to like not walk around a mall, like without getting my head ripped off. And like, I can go to the mountains and make music. So that really inspired me to be like, I can just do that now. Like, I don't have to have a touring fan base. I don't have to have anything other than the equipment and like a desire to create it. And so that's kind of what inspired the thought series and just me going, we made Pelican Bay drive at the beach in a week. We made all types of stuff where it's like, yeah. That's awesome. I I'm honestly pretty jealous of that. Cause that sounds pretty amazing <laughs> being able to go to a mountain and just record music. For, I've seen albums on you, like people like behind the scene documentaries. I, I can't name which artists have done similar things, but I think I saw something with Rick Rubin pretty recently and he was somewhere just in the middle of nowhere, just recording an album. And oh yeah, you could just feel that space in the music. I don't like, I don't know he's what a, it is, but you just feel it. He's another huge influence of mine. Like where that feeling comes from. I think it probably stemmed from that John Bellion thing and like just certain moments I've had collaboratively that have shown me um, you can cook up anywhere, but Rick is like a different kind of human being. Like he has this, like, it's just, I, I think it's like, he's figured out how to channel energy. And to me that it's so powerful. And that's why I like the environment thing. I like going to different places and traveling and like having a uniqueness to, you know, what we're working on uh, or where the influence for what we're working on comes from. So I think that's a cheat code. You know, I have, I actually have this list that I started recently of, uh, what makes me feel inspired? I'm trying to remember where that came. Mm -hmm. I don't think that was that was Rick Rubin. Oh, the guy who uh, he founded uh, Patreon. I forget oh, okay. his name, but this he's he's a really interesting guy and uh, similar similar vibe. Kind of just like he Patreon, right? A very like yo go create your own reality. You know, make what you want lean into it mm -hmm. and same deal he 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 has this list um he keeps of like things that make keep him inspired and so i started that or things that spark his inspiration so i started my own and one of them on there is traveling it's just these cheat codes and i write them all down where it's like if i if i don't feel inspired it's something i can do like 
throw a Frank Sinatra song on, like go get a new pair of socks, like go for a bike ride, just random shit that like for me makes me feel alive <laughs> for no reason, mm -hmm. you know, but like it just does. And it, it alters my perspective in the state I'm currently in. And that shit is, in, that's in so important. And just kind of mm -hmm. having that reminder there to do that is very important too. Mm, that is, that's, in, I, I feel like I want to start doing that. You should start really, your own for sure. Yeah. A hundred percent. Uh, going back to like Rick Rubin and some inspirations. Um, I'm curious to know how you found your balance between like looking at the people that you were inspired by hearing their voice, hearing their music, hearing their sounds and balancing, like not copying them and then finding your own voice. Cause even for me, I have like cinematographers that I inspire, yeah. like that inspire me and they're the way they light things. And that could be influenced on how I light things. And I don't want to be solely directed or solely influenced oh, yeah. by them essentially. So it, it takes a while to find who you are truly, but you can't do it without inspiration. So how do you, did you always like kind of know who you are or like, were there times no, where you no. found yourself like, Oh, I'm, I'm mimicking this person or I'm doing too much of this. I think a lot of our creativity comes from just like copying originally. Yeah. I think that's where you can grow because you can take pieces that you like out of it and then grow into it. I think everybody would say like, nah, I've never copied nobody, but it's not, I don't know what, even, even if it's just inspiration, like you've had a moments of like, like your style is not yours. Like this is all just borrowed back to the energy thing. It's all just borrowed energies. Right. And actually me and Colin, uh, cult division, you had him on here for everybody listening. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. one of a mutual friend of ours, he, uh, me and him were talking the other day about like, we think people, you ever have an idea and then like you don't do anything about it and somebody else mm -hmm. does and you're like, damn, like that was my idea. I, we've kind of like, I think we were, or what we were talking like the universe beams a lot of us the same ideas and it's more about like who kind of channels them and like does something about it. That's and so I think, I think that's kind of where it comes from. Like for me, I don't think any of my ideas are original to me, but I do think they're on they're original to my lived experience and then my perspective and then how I channel them. So it gives me that confidence that I'm never copying anybody as long as I actually am true to that. And then it also gives me the freedom and the ability to take in all these like inspirations and be like, Oh, that's mine, you know? And like, then let it be mine, but let it be uniquely mine. And so, mm -hmm. but everybody, it's a spectrum, right? Like I fall far, far on the spectrum of like, I don't, I don't think like, like I just said, I don't think any of these ideas are ours. So I'm quick to borrow, you know, but I don't do it with this intent of like, that's mine. I just do this of like, Oh, I have a cool idea. Like I could make this thing. Right. And like, this gave me that idea, you know? So every, but everybody's going to line up differently on that spectrum. So, um, I think you just got to kind of lean into like what feels true for you. And like, at the end of the day, if like you feel like if you feel right, like you feel right, you know, if you feel like it's a good balance, it is a good balance. Um, J. Cole has this quote on one of his albums. He's like, uh, you, he, he was having trouble clearing these samples and like they wouldn't let him use them. And, uh, he was like, he was pissed about it. And on the outro of the album, he was like, man, like, yo, how are you going to like, not let me use it? Like, we're going to pay you. We're going to give you the money, but not let me use it. And he's like, you were inspired by the world. Allow the world to be inspired by you. And so I think that's mm -hmm. something I've like lived by since I heard that, like in high school, I was like, that's so real. Like, it's exactly what I was just talking about. Like you are inspired by the things you experience in the world. So like the fact that you're going to take all that and then turn around and be like, no, nah, this is mine to me seems a little ridiculous, but 
I do think like you're allowed to get compensated for it, obviously, right? So, but anyway, it's a spectrum. So I'm, I'm definitely, I feel like I'm, I'm weird. Like I fall way far, probably one side. I probably sometimes need to come back and be like, nah, like that is unique to these people, you know? I see. Yeah. You live, we both live a creative life. And I feel like everything that surrounds us usually involves some sort of creativity, some sort of thinking outside of the box. And even if I'm like walking my dog, for, for example, for me, I'm looking at the way the sun is hitting the leaves or hitting this certain thing. So I'm always thinking about what I do, like in lighting or camera. And it's just, it's, it floods my brain at all times. I feel that for you, you have to find something similar. Like you could be just walking down the street, hear something, or you could hear a conversation and then something just pops up in your head that inspires you to make a song. Yeah, for sure. It, it's a gift and a curse though, you know. <laughs> mm. how, like, do you, how do you balance, I guess, just being creative all the time and then just kind of like mellowing down a little bit? Because that's something that I struggle with too, is just kind of balancing the, the work and life, I guess. Yeah, I don't. Like, I'm bad at it. <laughs> uh, I was actually talking about this the other day. Uh, I just took, like, a trip, the mountains trip I was just on. I got back, like, yesterday. Um, and it was, like, a, just a little weekend, like, two days. But I'm I'm really ba- It was just with, like, my friends who I haven't really seen in, like, years. Like, we just went to high school together. I don't really kick it with them on a regular basis. But, you know, there's just that level of, like, you know, I can just kind of be myself, turn it off. And, like, for me, it's, like, borderline impossible like I find myself for me I have to like find ways to like keep my mind just calm you know so but it's also necessary like I bring that trip up because I think things like that are necessary for me in finding my balance so it's recognizing like what actually lets me turn it off so shit like that where it's like I'm gonna just go to the mountains I'm gonna listen to a fuck ton of music I'm gonna play kendama and play some football and like just you know, hang out, like going to some shops. But like, even with that, like I'm just, I've accepted, I can't turn it off, but like, that's the gift aspect. You know, it's like, because of that, I might get to make all these cool things that I think are cool and then allow it to be like channeled in my why. And then hopefully that inspires like a lot of people. So for me, it's like, that's the gift aspect. And then just having that balance of like, don't burn out. That's what I've learned. I just can't burn out. I've burnt out a couple of times to the point where it's like, I understand what that feeling is like. So if I start to feel it, I know what to do about it. So, Mm. and then trying to be like, prepare for it. So do things like go to the mountains or whatever it may be, where it's like, it allows me to do that. But it's, it's borderline impossible too. Cause like that only, I swing back and forth because sometimes I get so gridlocked and like, I'm sacrificing the now for the future. Right. So like I'll get locked in and on this one idea, like for the album, I you couldn't any idea of like, yo, you need to like take a mental like rest day or like take a break or like take two hours. I would tell you I can't and I'm locked in. Right. But it's because I set it up in a way where I'm like, this has to get done. And then when this gets done, I'll go do that. And then when I get back, literally, this is my first day back and we have this. Right. And we've been trying to do this for, I don't know, yeah. 10 days now we were supposed to do it. And it's just like having that ability to like turn it off and then jump right back into it and be like, all right, cool. But also that's where that inspiration list I think really comes in is like, I, when I'm bad at turning it back off and on, you know, but I think, I think we all kind of are right. Like mm-hmm. it's hard to like yep. tiptoe in between that. Like I'm not feeling that way. And I am because I think our truest points are like, we are feeling that way. So why, 
you know, why I push it down, which is kind of back to your support system question of why I'm looking for more people to surround myself with who also have that unique feeling. Because then it's like, then when we're hanging out and we are doing those things, we can actually lean into them and be like, you could say, oh, this tree looks like this. And like, I could be like, oh, that reminds me. And then it's just lived experience and it's fun. You know what I mean? And it's growth at the same time of balancing. And that's a cheat code, you know? I, I completely agree with that. And a lot of my friends I find have similar mindsets as me or they're following, not necessarily they're following a similar path that what I'm doing, but they're following a path of entrepreneurship. They have their own business, some sort of creative outlet. So whenever we are just like hanging out, our conversations are good. They're meaningful. They have like influence in a way that like sparks interest, but at the same time, I'm, I'm relaxed. And I find that when I'm in conversation or I'm relaxed and I'm not around people that have this type of mentality, I get anxious. I feel like I'm not, Damn. I'm not doing the right thing right now. And I, you're right. I think it is a cheat code being like surrounding yourself with people that have a similar mindset. So even when you are hanging out with them, you feel like you're maybe progressing a little bit as well. Even if it's just like by having conversations with them. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think I think something that's kind of new to, maybe not new, but the whole world of social media and being an artist, being your own brand, I've noticed within you that you have like a huge mindset on business and how important that is for you. As like a, as a rapper, as an artist, how does the business translate to being an artist and what is that balance between art and business for you? Um, I think as long as you keep them separated originally, like the creations and then handling your business, you'll just be fine. And as long as you kind of lean into that same thing I was talking before about, let's make the product, right? Like whatever it is, it could be clothes, it could be the song, it could be the film you're making, whatever the product is, make that creatively and like have no outside voices or opinions that aren't creative, right? Or that are not that aren't creative, but that are business driven don't have any of that create and then take that product and figure out how to sell it and then Mm. with the figuring out how to sell it part just have the same approach be like okay we have this product now who are the people that would genuinely like this product let's not try to sell it to anybody who's not going to like it you know let's not we don't need to necessarily go out and create this whole new market right like that's just good business right and it's the same kind of concepts that like lead your decision making um in in the creation, if that makes sense, like they kind of just flow into each other because it's like honest and organic and it's like, um, but anyway, I think that again, that's a short answer that everyone out there who is trying to come up is going to be like, that's bullshit because I was that kid and I was like, I wanted solids. Mm -hmm. I wanted like the real things I could do. Um, so for me, it's, it's figuring out, okay, what are those solids? Like what is, what is in business, right? Like cash is your oxygen. So it's like, what are we going to do to survive? Right. Figure that out and then just scale it, scale it with, with what makes sense. There's a world it, with social media, it's like pro and a con. There's like all these options, but that means there's a world of infinity. And if you spread yourself too thin, you're not, you're not going to get shit done. So for me, it was like, I early on while you bring up Spotify too, like I, I had this concept of like pillars. I call it like the pillars concept. And it's like, imagine it can, it can kind of be applied to anything, but imagine like for me, it was music. How am I going to get my music heard? And it was like TikTok, SoundCloud, YouTube, Spotify, right? And I, I was focusing on all of them, local shows, all these things. 
But then I was like, okay, if I just focus on one and put all my attention here, which was Spotify, I can build it like this, right? And then there's going to be this like trickle down effect of all the others. So rather than like grinding them to here, I can have one to here and then the rest, they're still going to be shorter, but they're going to be bigger than they would have been otherwise. Um, so, mm. which is awesome. Cause then all, then you've built your funnel, you've built your pathway and it's like, all my energy can go into this one thing, right? All my energy can go into this one thing that's going to like propel everything else. And because I figured that out, now I need to use less energy towards figuring it out. So for me, it's like build your framework and then create freely within it. That's the best answer. Uh, I like that last part right there. And yeah. it's going back, going to Spotify. I saw something, you post a new song every Tuesday at midnight. Is that something, is that correct? Yeah. Till I go on tour. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, until you go on tour, I saw that. Is that, what is the, is there something to consistency and quality? Like what is, as an artist that's growing, what is it about putting a song out every single week that you find to be really beneficial for you? Cause I know something similar. You're familiar with Russ, correct? Yep. He's uh, he did something similar where he put out a song every week for like a whole year or two or something like that. Where, what is the benefit and consistency? like that um so i have i have this concept i call the creative life cycle and it's idea to reality mm -hmm. and i think for me an example of that would be like a song so what's the idea for the song and then what is the reality of that song living in the like the universe look like and so i even me i can give that one example a bunch of definitions right so the idea could be the lyrics or the idea could be the melody like there's all these different ideas that make it up and then the realities could be entirely different right the realities could be like it being played at a show or somebody listening to it for the first time or the music video or like there's all these different realities or the moment it has 100 million streams right all these different realities that idea can turn into so for me it's about like again making your foundation right making your what does your framework look like and for me that's a creative life cycle it's like set up your idea to reality loops and then complete them so for me my ideas are just songs it's kind of loose it's like whatever i want to make audio wise period and then like giving them like houses like i have like alter egos or like side projects or like i, I like i said like i can't really sit still like i'll just make a lot of different shit and they kind of all get compartmentalized differently um so for me it's like yo let's channel that let's make something and then let's think about the first moment somebody puts their headphones in and presses play so literally in that creative mm. life cycle there's everything to you you have an in again you have an infinity of things to worry about right but it's kind of back to like that it kind of goes back to that question you were asking before with the business or like it's it's whatever you do you're gonna you can worry and stress about anything in any given like example so for this one it's like from that idea of a song to pressing play and them hearing it in their headphones you could worry about their headphones like you could worry about are they gonna have headphones or are they gonna listen on a speaker or are they there's all this different shit you could worry about and sometimes it's important and having access to that information of like knowing the process is important but focusing on what you can actually do about it to make a difference now that's for me is like focusing on that creative life cycle of that song so um for me it's about the consistency comes down to just complete those laps because i know as long as i'm completing those laps um and for me it's that pressing the play right somebody else who's not me pressing play listening in their headphones so what does that take and it takes everything from like 
me finishing the song to getting it mixed and mastered and then taking that and getting a cover art and make the cover art and then like okay let me take let me make sure those cover arts all look similarly right and then all right let me take that cover art and now let me upload it to TuneCore and like make sure the world can hear it so that it uploads on Spotify on this date right it's a lot of fucking shit you got to worry about right and it seems complicated as shit but for me I now have that down where I could probably do it with my eyes closed literally like I know where all the buttons are mm. I know how I want to make my cover arts right my songs just feel like I'm not even making them. Like it's just play again. So having that balance and the only way I got to that point was creative life cycle laps, complete them, complete them. So as you do that, you get better at making your product and you get better at completing more laps. So for me, song a week is just that it lets me complete those laps more and more. And like, that's my balance. And it's mm. like the output I want to have. And then it does like from after I've created it, let me think about the business side. And from the business side, it's way better, like getting people on the come up to focus on singles and digest one song rather than a whole album, like is way easier and way less work. So mm. it kind of goes hand in hand. I think so to complete that lap also and the continual laps, you create a song and you have people listen to it on headphones and speakers, but there's another element of live shows and you just put oh, yeah. up something with Colin and that was like what a part music <laughs> video, part live show. Something like yeah, that, we right? Haven't finished it. We're working on it today, actually. Can you can you tell me about that show? Yeah, just, yeah. So that, talk that about idea, the process of live live events. The idea right? behind that, what he's talking about, is uh, this. Uh, Colin called me. We're supposed to shoot the one in Rome music video, which is the intro to my album. And I was like, Yo, I always envisioned this song music video being like live tour footage. So I don't really know how we're gonna pull that off. And he's like, Well, how hard would that be to do? So originally we were just gonna like fake it and like get a warehouse with like 50 people, put 50 people in there, let them learn the words and then like fake the show. And then I was like, my album's coming out and like I kind of want to just like throw something. So we threw this whole release party around it and we built like, we built like a whole set and the idea was it's gonna be like this office space and so when the music video starts, it looks like I'm at my desk in an office and then slowly the camera zooms out and it's like, oh, you're in a nightclub. And then I walk on stage to the sea of phone lights and it's this like crazy moment. And wow. so that was the idea behind it. So we threw this whole, we threw this whole show just to get that one shot for the music video. Dude, I'm um, so, I'm so excited to see that. It looked really yeah, amazing. Yeah. yeah. It was way harder than I thought it would be. Yeah. What were some, was what were some challenges? What were some challenges that you came uh, up with? Dude, just like, I mean, think about what you do, right? With like shoots. Think yeah. about not having a, what do you, what do you call it? Like a production, somebody who's just in charge of getting the whiteboards from Home Depot, right? I mean, yeah, having a producer that, and a producer, <laughs> yeah, the logistics. not having a producer and not having a this and a, it was just me and Colin and anybody yeah. who was willing to help. Right. So it's mm -hmm. like doing that. I mean, I, like, and you're organizing it all yourself and you're telling, like even having people down to help. It's like, now you got to have people like organized and like who's doing what when and now, now and i'm also throwing a show and i also got to rehearse the songs and i'm also <laughs> playing a show two days later so it's just like all this growing pains of doing it myself and with colin but it's dude it's the most beautiful part like in all this dude the process i've learned i think that's one of the biggest things i've learned is like enjoying that process and like realizing like having the foresight to be like i'm gonna look back at this moment and be like those were the times you know that kind yeah. of headspace what now when i'm in them i'm like I'll get I'll get a flat tire and we were supposed to get the boards from Home Depot and we're running an hour late and I'll laugh at it because I'm like, ah, this is this is the times. And everybody's like, shut up, asshole. And I'm just like, yo, this is lit. Like, we're in it, right? But like having that mentality of like 
again, it's a spectrum. It can go too far. I like those kind of moments, but like you can just, it just having the freedom of like understanding like, yo, you're in the now right now. You're like, there's mm. nothing other than right now. There's no future. There's no past. It's just this moment. Uh, that's all you got. So just like leaning into that feeling and like understanding that creatively makes any other challenge I'll give you kind of feel irrelevant to me. Like, um, yeah, <laughs> I love that. Um, I got, I got one more question for you, if that's cool. Yeah, let's go. You can go all day. <laughs> all right. Um, so say, say you're sitting across from your younger self, your 12 year old self, when you're starting music, I forget whatever age it was, you're having coffee with that younger version of yourself. What would you, what would you say to that younger version of you? Uh, As you're starting. I'd probably just be like, bro, stop drinking that coffee because you're really going to be addicted to caffeine in the future and you do not want to start now. <laughs> Second thing I would say, I would just say you're right. Like, that's it. Like, if I heard that, I'd be, I mean, that's that's what got me through it was hearing other people who weren't me say you're right. You know, hearing people who were in the position I'm in now telling me like, yo, you're right. Just keep going. Fuck the noise. Keep going. Like, create your reality. Uh, and probably, I wish, I probably wish I would have known, like, just, just work hard now, you know, like not even I was always hard working. I'd say maybe that's the wrong way to put it, but like more focused. You know, um, yeah, yeah. More focused, more channeled and more just like, yo, quit trying to like figure out a workaround, you know, like mm. it can help sometimes. And it's like part of, I think what makes, a lot of what I do work is that I'll think outside the box and like be like, oh, why don't we just do it this way? But I think telling the younger version of myself, like, yo, learn as much as you can now, like with what we were just saying with the show, it's like that gives you the superpower of like forever knowing every detail of what goes into it. So like one, nobody can bullshit you and be like, oh, we can't do that. You now know you can create your own reality. So like even when it's better in the future and you have a producer who can go do the boards, you know what that takes. And so that then you can treat people with respect too. Like you can understand their perspective of like going to get the boards and actually communicate with them on a better level. So now you have the superpower. Now you have more access to now that you have more time, more of your time back, you can actually spend it wisely and spend it on people who are going to give you all their energy back because you've been there. So kind of telling my younger mm -hmm. self that of like, yo, go learn that now because the more of those things you learn, like in the future, you're not going to have time. Like right now, I don't, I don't have the time to be doing that, right? I'm doing it because of that moment. And I believe in that one thing we were working on, but like, I don't have the time to do a lot of the manual, like labor tasks that I want to learn. Like even in production, like I wish I would have got a laptop and like learned everything I could about production because I just don't, there's certain things you just run out of time for. Um, so that's one of the, one thing. And then I think another uh, side from that and like, you're right would be, uh, for, it, 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 it escaped me. I, ha I yeah. had something else. I had something else. That's okay. Um, um, I'll let you know if it comes back. <laughs> what would okay. you, what would you tell your younger self? I would tell my younger self to, hmm. I ask this question on every show, but I never asked myself this. I appreciate you asking me because now Let's you're making go. me think. <laughs> yeah. um, I would probably just tell myself that it's okay to change lanes sometimes. Um, I feel as though when I was younger, I, I was raised to be an athlete. My parents were so strict on me being an athlete and becoming a professional player and I got burnt out. And then I felt 
a guilt because I wanted to pursue a art. I wanted to pursue music and clothing that I felt a guilt for changing that path. And then I pursued music and clothing for a while. And then I found photography and video and I felt guilt for changing from music and clothing to this. And along the way, I've realized that part of life and part of my journey was the process of me changing lanes and changing directions to find a new path. And I think all of the different things that I've done led me to where I am today and helped me become the person I am today. So I think really what I would say to myself is, and to anyone is don't be afraid to change directions. Well, fire. You just unlocked mine too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now that's gas. My, 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 the other one I was going to say is, yeah, don't rush to lose, like rush, rush to losses, rush to just rush to truths. You know, like if you're not going to, if it doesn't work out, same shit. Like I was playing sports. Like I said earlier, like I probably skipped a lot of steps in that journey. It's like, there's a lot of things, same deal where it's like, I thought this was it. I thought I was going to be big in high school. I thought the first song I made was going to be great. You know, I th a lot of thinking and like a lot of realizations of like, this is not it. And those moments are hard in the beginning. The first time you realize you're wrong is a tough pill to swallow because it takes that level yeah. of confidence we all have as creatives and entrepreneur or whatever to understand like, fuck it, I'm right. Fuck that. Literally, the, it's that what the advice I was just giving you. You're right. Keep going. Right. It takes that level of understanding, but it also takes a balance of like, nah, like you you can be wrong. And when you're wrong, you got to learn and pivot. And like, you can't be told that at first. And so the quicker you can rush into those and learn how, and that feeling of being wrong and then accepting it and then watching people react and like everyone laugh at you or otherwise, however they react and realizing, oh, it doesn't matter still. It didn't matter when they were cheering for you. It doesn't matter now. Like all that's irrelevant. What's real is your work and your output and like your creations and how they make you feel and how they inspire others. Like, running into those lessons would be fire back in the day because i was not i was not one to like want to run into those where now i i think especially this year taught me that the most run run into fires mm -hmm. if, if 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 it's not meant to be it's not meant to be but like seek the truths in all those situations and like grow from them wow well my friend i think that's a solid way to wrap this up let's um, go i appreciate I appreciate your time. Um, Hell yeah. Can you can you just tell everybody where they could find you, where you where they could listen to your new album, your music? Just give people uh, what you're up to. All right, you can go to thefutureisyourfriend.com and then click the don't click button. That'd be the best way. I forgot. You just reminded <laughs> me I had that website active. Go to thefutureisyourfriend.com and don't and click the don't click button. Uh, or you can just at Drex Carter, D-R-E-X Carter everywhere. Um, but yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Thank you for being on the show. And appreciate you having me. Everyone. Of course, man. And peace out, everyone. See you next time. Musicbed has been my favorite resource for finding music for all of my videos, and now with my podcast, it has been my favorite place to find my intro and outro music. With over 40,000 curated songs available for licensing for any podcast, the music that they have on their roster will help elevate your story and whatever you're trying to share on your podcast. Finding music is also extremely easy with their browse and search tools. Use anything from genre mood to advanced filters like BPM and key. Playlists from your favorite creatives are also an amazing tool. Some of my favorite playlists include chill, hip hop, 
ambient, cinematic. These are just a few examples of some of the playlists that you can find. And if you still need help finding what you need, MusicBed's team can help you with their complimentary song searches. Hear the difference for yourself and sign up for a free account. Use the code CARLO at checkout and receive one month free when you purchase a podcast subscription. Thank you, MusicBed. So that's all we got for you today. Thanks again for listening to the show. Hopefully you found it beneficial and entertaining. I'd like to encourage you all to share this episode with a friend and leave a review on whatever platform you're using. And as always, thanks again. See you next time.